going to talk about today is a little bit off topic, perhaps, is an invisible clock. And so if you recall, when I was uh, here at the beginning of the month, uh, I, t- I told you a story about when Pastor Tina and I were in Zambia. That, this is back in, I think it was 2008. Uh, we sort of went back, you know, one of those, you know, I was uh, not born there, but I lived there for a number of years of my life. And so we kind of went back and went to some of the places that I lived and tried to, you know, rekindle some memories and all of that kind of stuff. And one of those things that we did was uh, we decided we were traveling with friends of ours who had given money, that collected money to, to dig a well in this far off remote village community. And uh, it was in Zambia, a little bit, you know, as, it, as they told us the story, just north of, of Lusaka, where we were say, uh, staying, the capital of Zambia. And so we decided to take a few days on that trip. We, you know, took off with them and the people that we were staying with in Lusaka. And we went on this journey to just, you know, see the well and pray around the well and meet the people and all of that kind of a thing. And so we, we head off on the Great North Road, which is the main highway coming out of Lusaka there. And, you know, the, 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 not long, maybe an hour north of there, we turn right on an asphalt road. It was, a, you know, less of a highway, but still an asphalt road. And we go along there an hour or so. And, uh, you know, then there's this fellow waiting for us on the side of the road. He was going to be our driver. We had never met him before, but he was going to be our driver. And so I assumed he was there. And sure enough, we go along a ways. And sure enough, there's the guy sitting on the side of the road waiting for us. He takes over on the driver's seat and, you know, we veer off the asphalt road onto, you know, a pretty solid road, you know, dirt, but, you know, a, a real road, if you want to put it that way. And <clears throat> so it's kind of cool, you know, it's, it's, it's all right. Uh, and then we're going along a ways, maybe an hour or two along that road. And then that road just slowly shrinks away into, you know, those two, you know, two ruts, kind of a road that you're looking ahead of you. And say, that, that, I mean, that's okay too. I mean, you know, somebody's been here before. It's kind of clear about that. And you're going along still a ways and then your two ruts slowly shrink into one path. And so we're now taking this, I don't know what kind of vehicle it was, a big truck of some kind, SUV of some kind. And, you know, it's now we're straddling, our tires are now straddling this single path. And, you know, we're kind of starting to wonder, you know, us, you know, first worlders are kind of looking at you in the back seat, looking at each other, going like, you know, I guess, I, 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 I guess it's okay. You know, uh, the driver knows where he's going. The sun is about setting at this time. And so we're losing a little bit of our perspective. And then all of a sudden, you know, the path disappears and we're just now driving. The only way we really know where we're going is because it's the only way the SUV will fit through the, the, the bush. The grass is now up, you know, we're beating down the grass with the front of the truck and stuff like that. And I'm, you know, wondering, we're all looking at each other going, yeah, what are we doing exactly? And do we, uh, do we know this driver at all? Do we, um, you know, I've heard a couple of news reports about how this kind of, and you can kind of feel, how many of you can feel it, even me telling you the story, that the emotion is getting palpable in the truck as we are continuing now, it's probably an hour since we've seen a road, since we've seen a path, it's been a, we're a ways out. Turned out that we were the first uh, North Americans ever to go to this village, even in, in today, 2008, we were the first ones that were ever there. And, you know, I, I, I'm telling you that story because I, I wanted you to feel the emotion of going somewhere uh, when you don't know where you're going, you know? God has got an invisible clock. I don't know if you knew that. And he's, uh, we're going to discuss today that he's actually going somewhere. 
Uh, he actually has a plan. You know, some people get a little confused by that because uh, they don't know necessarily if God has got a plan and if he does have a plan, what exactly that plan is. And so we, we learn very quickly that it's very difficult for us as human beings to uh, go on a journey when we don't know where we're going. How many of you know your kids when they're saying, you know, are we there yet? 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 Because it's very difficult for us as humans to go along that kind of a journey and really not know where we're going. We discussed earlier that it's important for us to understand what it is like to relate to a, an invisible God because when we do not understand how to relate to him, is he angry, is he vengeful, is he loving, is he caring? When all of those things are confusing to us, <clears throat> it gets very difficult for us to trust when the, you know, when the situation gets desperate in our lives, it can be very difficult to trust God when we do not know who he is. But how many of you know, it is equally as difficult to trust the driver when you don't know where the driver is going. And so when it comes to our lives, as each one of us have really made that commitment, I wanna serve God, I wanna do it his way, I do the things that I do because I am very interested in having a relationship with God and going to the place that God is going, I wanna go there with him. But it's very difficult for us as human beings when we do not understand God's plan, we do not understand where he is going. We begin to wonder, where are we going? We begin to wonder, is there a plan? Is there a schedule? Are we going somewhere? Is there a destination? Were we going where I thought we were going? You see, it's not long in our journey following God that those things become an issue for us. Because when I think I am going somewhere, and then all of a sudden something happens and I start to wonder, I'm not sure we're heading in the right direction. I remember when we were doing this as when we went to, you know, when the children, when my children were little, you know, we'd drive to Florida, whatever, take a trip down there. My in-laws had, a, had a, a place down there and we used to take the kids down. And, you know, I'd do most of the driving, but then, you know, well, there was this season when I would, you know, usually it would be, we'd try to leave very strategically uh, but I would usually take a nap somewhere around four o'clock in the morning and jump into the back seat uh, and somebody else would take over driving. And I would always remember when I was going to sleep, I says, because I would sleep on a certain side of the car. And then it would be that if I knew that the sun needed to be on my face when I woke up a few hours later, because we'd be heading south and I'd be on the driver's side of the car and the sun rises in the east, as you know. And so if I wake up and there is no sun on my face, that is a problem. And sure enough, I wake up and there's no sun on my face. So I know somehow in the last few hours, we used to be heading south. Now <clears throat> we are heading north and that's a bad thing. How many of you know what that feels like thinking, uh, we, how long have we been going in the wrong direction? Can I tell you something? When you are trying to relate to God, these should be actually pretty familiar feelings. When you think you are going in a particular direction and you are confident that this is how this is going to turn out. I know when I wake up in a few hours, I'm going to feel the warm sun on my face and you wake up and it's not there. 
Can I tell you something? That creates a huge problem for us when we are trying to follow God. We need to know where we are going and we need to be able to have a way to assess how are we doing on our journey. But if we don't know where God is going, it can create huge, massive problems for us in our ability to trust him. Imagine for a moment how difficult it would be for two people to travel together, but never decide where they're going, or even decide if they are going anywhere in particular. You see, that's what happens with a lot of Christians in their lives when they haven't really determined, do I really understand where God is going? For a trip to go smoothly, there must be agreement on these matters. And then when you know where you're going and you are okay with the journey, you know God is nature, you know you can trust him, and then you know where you're going, then the e it's so much easier to do the things that God is asking us to do, to walk the way God is asking us to, to walk. Otherwise, we get all kinds of problems coming up if we don't clarify the agreement. And God has an invisible clock, a plan that is constantly evolving to get to a very particular destination. You see, when we are, you know, you know, God is difficult for God because, you know, he is having to depend on our ability to follow him. Every second that we are off the path or that we are, we're hesitating or we're procrastinating or we're just, you know, insisting that we're not going to go God's way, all of the plans and, and, and you know, things that God is working on are beginning to change and evolve. And so it does tend to be a little bit of a mishmash because God is working with human beings. But can I promise you something? God's purpose and God's destination has not changed. It has never changed. From the very beginning of time, God has always been trying to get us human beings to a very particular destination. And when you think that he has no plan or that he has a plan, but maybe you think God's plan is your plan. Or maybe you think God's plan is different than it actually is. Can you see how we are going to create so much chaos in our relationship with God when some very simple things are not organized, are not set in place so that I know where we're going and I know that God is taking me to that particular place, especially in our conspiracy theory-driven world. How many of you know there's 100 conspiracies about why we have to wear masks and 100 more conspiracies about why China's doing what China's doing and 1,000 more about... Can I tell you something? Our world is so full of all of those trying to figure out the conspiracy when it comes to relating to God. Even if we get the smallest glitch in our relationship with God, we, we jump very quickly to, oh, wait a minute, there's something going on here. God's not just got the motive. God's not got the intention that I thought he had. And as soon as we have that sensation, what do we do? We back up a little bit. We hesitate a little bit. We procrastinate a little bit. We're just not sure because we just don't know where God is going for real. You know, my experience has been second only to offense. This is the number one reason 
why people have a zeal for God and they have a commitment to God and they're going after God. And all of a sudden you notice that they've just sort of, you know, there's a wet blanket on them. They've shut down the, the thrusters because they're just not sure where God is going. And all of a sudden that enormous, almost childish uh, adolescent zeal that people have for God, you know, they all get a couple of experiences when they start to wonder, is God going where I thought he was going? Is he taking me where I thought he was taking me? When we have that experience, all of a sudden everything starts to decrease. And as I've observed people over the, you know, many years now that we've been in ministry, a second only to offense, this is the major crisis that people find themselves in. I'm just not sure I can trust God is taking me where I thought he was taking me. And even in my own life, the ability to reconcile the difference between where I thought God was taking me to where it appeared he was taking me has caused me just so much difficulty in my walk with God. If I could just have understood more so at the beginning of my journey, where what is God's intention? What is his destination? Where is he taking me? It would have been so much easier for me. And so now we start to wonder, how the heck am I going to follow an invisible God who is... Uh, operating and making decisions according to an invisible ob uh, objective. It, is, it can be so daunting for us as human beings when we haven't settled those things. So before I talk about some of the strategies that will, that will help us as we begin or as we continue our journey to really follow God with the zeal and the commitment uh, you know, that maybe was there earlier in our lives, but certainly that God is looking for as we go from here. Number one, the indisputable reality, the non-negotiable reality that you must have as you begin your journey is that God is good. You know, I, we've heard that so much. How many of you have heard that for the very first time today? Probably none of you. But can I tell you something, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, the people who started saying those things were uh, criticized so heavily because the religious world really did not accept that God was good. They had a hard time reconciling what God was doing if in fact God was good. Why is there so much difficulty? Why is there so much hurting and pain? Why is there so much difficulty and inequality? Why is there so much injustice in the world if God is good? And that does create a lot of problems for us. And that is, a, you know, we have to go down this road if we're really going to follow God legitimately, not just on Sunday morning, but we are really going to follow God in our lives. We have to be able to answer a whole bunch of these real questions. Because on the inside, we have these questions. When we observe things around us, we have these questions. And so the number one thing is that God is good. That is a non-negotiable. You know, it really helped me, you know, when I would sit and I would just look at a flower or a squirrel or something like that. And you so the guy that created this flower, do I have any indication by looking at this flower how, what God is like? When I look at a baby squirrel running across the top of the fence, is there anything that, that, that tells me about the nature of God? 
And so you know the part that God could do all by his onesie, he did all of those things beautifully and, and, and infinitely wonderful and good and all of those type of things. And so we can recognize even as we look at nature, as we look at the creation of God, that he is good. When we look at Jesus and the way he related to the world and to the people around him, we can see that he is good. And when we can see that, now all of a sudden, it changes the way we are about to relate to God and his destiny and his plan, especially when I get to, we'll unpack a few things of this today. And so non-negotiable at the beginning of this, of this discussion is that God is good. Can I tell you something? That is a very easy thing to believe when the sun is shining. When it's difficult is when the storms are out, when the cloud cover comes, when the difficulties come and the challenges come, when the, when the outlook of your life isn't as bright as it was in other times. Now the challenge is, you know, can I really believe that God is good? Believing this, that's the key to this, believing this means that when the clouds come out, when the storm is raging, you still believe that God is good. And number two, that everything that God does, and this is where it gets to be a little bit of a challenge, why this goes number two after God is good, is that everything God does requires a seed. This can be a very difficult <clears throat> concept for us, because we would like it to be that God can just operate sovereignly, that he can just do whatever he wants. But can I tell you something? Everything that God does, if it is God doing it, then it requires a seed. In John chapter 12, uh, the apostle John tells us that except a seed falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. There is no increase without a seed being sown. Oftentimes, what's happening in our lives is that we, uh, we, we achieve objectives and we get advantages, but not understanding where those advantages came from. It's always great to be on the advantage side. But can I tell you something? This may challenge you. Anybody that gets a God advantage gets it because of someone's disadvantage. Now, it's very important for you to stay with me for, for this. In order for you to be blessed by God, let's say that I was driving to church today and I just, you know, just barely missed getting into a car accident and God's, God saved my, the, you know, the bumpers on my car because I didn't get in a car accident. How many of you say that's a really good thing? Unless you are the guy who fixes bumpers. Because in order for me to get an advantage, somebody had to be disadvantaged. Does that make some sense? And so when you are being advantaged by God, it always requires somebody else's disadvantage. And so that's where it becomes difficult for us because sometimes God is using us to be the seed sower. God is using us to be the one who is disadvantaged in order for somebody else to be advantaged. How many of you know if God tells me to give you $100, for example, that is awesome for you? Anybody know the other side of the equation? Not so, Well, yes, it, and I'll get to that in a minute. But in the moment, it is not awesome for me, but it is awesome for you. How many of you know that's awesome, yes. right? To be the guy who's getting the blessing. Yes. 
So let's take a look then of understanding how do we reconcile that when God is requiring that in order for him to get involved in somebody else's life, somebody, often the person themselves, for sure, you could provide the seed for your own life, but a lot of the time, what's actually happening is somebody else is providing the seed that you got blessed by. Somebody prayed, somebody gave, somebody sowed some kind of a seed in obedience to God, or God used their willingness to just be available to him. Like when you pray in tongues in the morning, for example, if you're still on the 30-30 challenge, you don't know who you are praying for. I woke up this morning, there's a guy on Fox News, his name is Trey Gowdy, and I cannot get Trey Gowdy off my mind this morning since I woke up, and I've been praying for Trey since he woke up. But can I tell you something? Trey probably doesn't know that. Somebody gave up time and energy. Somebody sacrificed in order for somebody else to be blessed. When you are praying in tongues, I remember we were going down and there was this probably a full year. Um, you know, I was back, I used to iron my clothes more than I do now, but, um, you know, I used to iron my clothes every day. That was just part of my thing. And every day I would go to our ironing board is down in the laundry room in the basement. And every day I would walk down there and I would literally walk, step through the threshold of that little room and God would give me the name, uh, it was a Russian name of a guy. I presume a guy, I don't, I'm not really familiar with Russian names. And so every day for a year, he would put that guy's name or that person's name on my mind. And then once, oh, while I'm ironing my clothes, I would pray for that guy, person. See God, you don't really know when things are happening in your lives, what you have to understand though is for God to intervene, for God to have some ability to cause something to happen in this natural realm, a seed must be sown. Your advantage comes through somebody else's disadvantage. Now, of course, you know, and you already know where I'm going with this. What you have to understand is that on the, the anatomy of a diminishing event. What does it look like when you allow God to diminish you in order to be a seed sown in somebody else's life? Step number one, the giver is diminished. Step number two, the receiver is increased. But it doesn't stop there. As Pastor Tina just finished sharing when she was up here, step number three is that the giver gets a harvest. And then step number four is that the receiver becomes a giver. When you look at that simple formula, one, the giver is diminished, two, the receiver is blessed, three, the receiver, the giver gets a harvest, and four, the receiver becomes a giver. That is the formula that God intends to use for our lives to be an example to other people, the example as to how the kingdom actually operates. That's why God is so always working with us when we're trying to figure out where God is going, where God is taking us. When he, when he requests of us that we become diminished, as we become diminished, we can either look and say, okay, God, you are definitely not taking me in the right direction because I'm here in order to be blessed. I'm here in order to do good so that I get good. I've had enough do bad so that I got bad. Now I come to church because I want to learn how to do good so I get good. 
not realizing that that's not how God operates, not specifically that way. The way God operates is that he requires a diminishing in our lives so that he could bless somebody else and show that other person how good God is, at the same time figuring out how to get a harvest back into your life. Remember that scripture when God talks about, you know, anyone who would give lands and property and wives and children and all of these for the gospel's sake, for my sake, what do you get in return? You get a hundredfold when you get to heaven and it's all awesome in heaven. No, no, it says you get a hundredfold in this age. You see, what God is doing is he's always causing us or encouraging us to be those people who are sowing seeds. And it, 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 it doesn't sound as bad when you sow it like that. And I'm trying to emphasize the fact that when we are sowing seeds, we are feeling diminished. And when we feel diminished, we tend to think that God is taking us in the wrong direction because everybody knows God produces good things. God produces blessings. But we have to be able to embrace the way God does that as we understand how a diminishing event finishes off in the end of time. When we, when we take advantage, which is kind of what our, our world has learned to do, everybody tries to take advantage from another person. Can I tell you something? When you take advantage, all you're doing is you get one winner and one loser, and that's the end of the story. When God is involved, when, when the kingdom of God is involved in the equation, God empowers us to release, to willingly uh, give advantage to another person. When we willingly do that, understanding how the equation works, now when the, when the, when the formula has run its course, you don't have one winner and one loser anymore. Now what you have is you have two winners who have all made the pie bigger. God's intention when he is leading each one of us to the destination is that we will be abundant when we get there. But until we grab onto how God does that, we can so often feel that God is taking us in the wrong direction. I can remember back, it was years and years and years ago now, that I, I invested in something kind of like the stock market. I, you know, I made investment, not a huge investment, but you know, it was about four or five days, I think is all it took, until I was completely wiped out. And I was, you know, I was, it wasn't like it was a lot of money or anything like that, but how many of you know getting wiped out is getting wiped out? <laughs> and I got really mad at God. And I said, you know, you couldn't have told me that? I mean, was, you know, I live with a prophet for crying out loud. You know, you can hear me go on. Can you all hear me go on? <laughs> and God said this to me. He said, Ian, in your life, there are seeds, there are plants, and there are harvests. That's it. There is no such thing as a loss unless you call it a loss. And so he began to talk to me. He says, well, you do want to reap a harvest from that environment, don't you? And I said, well, sure. And then all of a sudden I realized what he was saying. If you want to reap a harvest from that environment, you need to sow some seeds into that environment first. So don't curse your seed. When you've experienced a diminishing moment, 
The very worst thing that you can do is declare, I am diminished. Or if you want to be like me, you say it like this. You say, oh, when is it going to be my turn? God, hey, I can just see myself like a little bratty kid. You know, when's it going to be my turn, God? When do, you, when do I get to be the receiver? Can I tell you when you become the receiver is the very moment you decide to be the giver. When you decide to be the person that God is going to be allowed to use to diminish you for the very purpose of blessing you because now he can grab a hold of that which you have sown, that which you have allowed to be diminished from you, and he's caused that to be an infinitely greater harvest. Can I tell you something? The harvest is always greater than the seed. Always. God causes all things to work together for our good, Romans chapter 8 tells us. And, but let me tell you something. Once we see the harvest, we never object to the seed. The problem is, we humans live trapped inside of time. And the value of a seed is so much greater to us in the moment. Excuse me, let's put it like this. The value of a visible seed is so much more valuable than an invisible harvest. And that's what causes us so many problems. When we lay down our lives before God, when we give him our time, when we take time to pray, when we take time to read our Bible, when we take time to love other people, when we take time to serve them or bless them, it always seems like, oh, if I only had that time back. You know, it's wasting an hour of my day praying in tongues every, no, 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 no. Don't look at life that way. So let's look at some invisible clock realities. Number one, God is working towards a master plan. He is going somewhere. But can I tell you something? One of the most destructive things that we can teach our children is that God is taking care of one particular thing. And that is that good people get good things and bad people get bad things. When your kid turns 11 years old and they realize that some bad stuff happens to good people and some good stuff happens to bad people, the whole thing goes to heck in a handbasket. So many people that I have interacted with have a crisis of faith when the smallest of negative things happens to them because they thought that's not supposed to happen to me. I go to church, that's not supposed to happen. But you see, when we think that God is doing that, when we think that, uh, or we think that God's only objective is to get us to heaven when we die, we get so lost in the things that God is actually asking us to do. Like, what's the point? Why do I have to do that? When we don't understand where he's actually going. In Matthew chapter six, it's the, you know, I was kind of convicted you know, even as the, as you know, I'm the chief cook and bottle washer around here. And, uh, you know, there's something that we don't do very much. I was raised Catholic, as you know, and there's something that we did all the time as Catholics. Can I tell you what that is that we don't do very much? Uh, you maybe stand up for a moment and let's, let's do it together. Would you all stand up? Remain your, no, don't, I could get you to kneel, but stand up. <laughs> let's see how we do with this. Put your hand over your heart and say, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day. Give us this day, excuse me. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. For thine is the kingdom and the glory forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what you call that? That's called the Our Father. And you probably wonder, even I made a mistake there as I was going through it. Because you know, we don't do that very often. You know what we just did there was we said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's, it's interesting that Jesus would say that. And he'd say, you know, give us our daily bread and help us to be good people and all that. He did go there. But his primary objective was that he would declare to us or have us declare out of our mouths what God's intention actually is. Where is God actually going? What is he actually trying to accomplish? God is trying to get thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we would, in, in, in my early days, we would pray that every day, often many times a day. If you work through a rosary, you'll do it seven times. You know, you're going to say those very words, giving God permission. You're going to say, God, this is what I want. I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. And you see, those are the seeds. Those are the things that we declare that give God permission to use our lives to be central in the way the kingdom operates here on earth. God is working to this end, to get the kingdom of God, the ways of the kingdom of God, even as we take a look at this primary one of God using our lives, diminishing our lives or apparently diminishing our lives for the purpose of creating an exponential increase. That simple formula, check it in your own heart right now, whether you like that or not. Whether you're saying, yep, that's the way I live my life every day. I'm just getting up, can't wait to find a seed to sow. Can't wait to, for somebody to bless because I know that's how God's going to use it. God's going to increase me through that. You see, we have even in, the, in, in the, you know, the swing from the chandeliers churches, these are difficult concepts for us to understand and difficult for us to follow God and follow his intention in our lives when we don't realize what God is actually trying to release as a global revelation to the earth. And when God gets that into the earth, the kingdom of God will flourish, the ways of the kingdom will flourish, and abundance would fill every corner of the world. Because that's God's intention, and that is very much his, within his power to do. The only problem is he's trying to get human beings to realize this is what God is trying to get us to understand about our lives. Number two, so number one, we, God has a plan. He is going somewhere intentionally. Number two, we as human beings are stuck in time. So we place a much higher value on the seed in the moment than we do on the harvest. And so we are predisposed to not like the seed time part of the equation, simply because it's so much easier to see the bird in the hand than it is to see the two in the bush. And so every one of us have to realize there is a predisposition in my nature as a creature stuck in time, being able to see what is here today, 
but not really see what is here tomorrow that is going to bend me towards not understanding the ways of the kingdom. Can I tell you, that's why Jesus needed to come. That's why, uh, you know, God himself needed to get to this planet to try and explain some of this to us because none of us would have figured it out because we are so uh, trapped inside of this. Today's reality is so much more important than tomorrow's reality. You know, we see this when we are, it's an interesting story when God came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 and he says this to Abraham, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now that was interpreted by Abraham to be talking about his son, Isaac. And then out of his son Isaac came the nation of Israel and what is now the Jewish nation. You know, they are very committed to that lineage, which is amazing. But can I tell you, God wasn't talking about that. Paul straightens it out in Galatians when he says that, no, it wasn't talking about uh, uh, Isaac, the seed of Abraham. He was talking about Jesus, the seed of Abraham. And that all the nations of the earth were going to be blessed not through the seed Isaac, but through this 2,500 year later person who was in fact the seed of Abraham. And you see that same problem happening all the time. When we try to relate to God about the things that he's doing and the things that he's working on in our lives, we so much see God, God wants me blessed. Well, yes, he wants you blessed. But this is how that works. And it doesn't necessarily work like it's immediate blessing in your life. Now, sometimes it does work like that. But that's not because of your seed sown. That's because of somebody else's seed sown. Number three, it is the Holy Spirit's job. And this is what, we're trying, what I'm trying to get to as we set ourselves up for the fall months here at Light City. It is the Holy Spirit's job to help us to understand as much as possible what God's plan is. So it's not up to me. I don't need to figure it out. I don't need to know exactly what is going on in the global macro view of God's infinitely eternal plan for humanity. Can I tell you something? Don't waste a lot of time with that. Really what we're gonna try and do is we're gonna try and understand for ourselves as we step into a real understanding of the New Testament being the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, who is going to be our comforter, who's going to be our helper, who's going to be our teacher, who's going to be our guide. You, you know all of those terms if you've been <clears throat> following along with us in John 14, 15, and 16 when Jesus himself was explaining to us who the Holy Spirit was going to be. And it is the Holy Spirit's job to help us to understand, even take these words that I'm sharing with you today and help you to understand how these words uh, fit into the plan of God for your life. And as we mature in God, we get to see more and more and more. I always wonder, you know, I, I've said it to God many times, you know, God, if I would have known where we were going when you told me to start a Bible study in my living room 20 whatever, 20 years ago, I don't think I would have gone. And he goes, yeah, that's why I didn't tell you. You see, a lot of the times we have to mature into ability to see what God is doing in our lives. If he showed us everything up front, you know, if he would be clear with you about what it was going to be like to have a child, would anybody ever have one? 
You see, he reveals those things to us as we, first of all, he helps us to see something. And then he gives the Holy Spirit now helps us to see something. Our teacher, our guide, our helper, our comforter, our prophet sometimes, and showing us things to come. He helps us to see those things. And then as we step into them in obedience, because now we can kind of see it. He gives us the grace that we need in order to step into this place that is perhaps a little uncomfortable before us because it is, in a, it is in a place of diminishing where we are allowing our lives to be poured out for something that we don't yet see, for someone that we don't yet see, for some purpose that we don't yet see. He gives us the grace to step into that moment. And then as we have that grace, that ability, sort of like a supernatural ability to hold on to the rope, all of a sudden now he's got the ability to show us something else. And this is how the process of working with the Holy Spirit operates. God's plan and purpose for our lives is that we will see something, and then we will step into that something, and then when we've stepped into that something, that he'll be able to show us something else, which then will be something else, which then will be something else, which then will be something else. And what happens to us as we continue walking this way, not putting on the brakes, not pulling back on the reins, but instead of that walking forward with God, all of a sudden we find ourselves, we kind of wake up a year later and we realize, wow, this is amazing. God has been able to, I don't even know how he did it, but he's been able to transform me in such a way that I'm starting to understand the way the kingdom of God. Stepping into an alignment with God's plan. Can I tell you something? As we do that today, we're realizing how desperate God is to get us to step into, wholeheartedly step into the plan of God for our lives. To no longer be intimidated by the fact that God is invisible because we have got the visible representation of Jesus. And we no longer need to hesitate on not understanding what God's plan is because God's plan is a good plan and a plan to see the kingdom of God manifested in the earth. So if you are here, if you've already made it to the kingdom of God, can I tell you something? You are here because your life is critical to the kingdom of God. Can I tell you something? God doesn't get anybody into the kingdom that isn't critically important in the way the kingdom of God operates. Maybe that's today, maybe that's tomorrow, maybe that's at another season, but can I tell you something? If you are here, the plan and purpose of God in your life is critical. And that means that everything God is doing in your life is critical. The journey that he has you on is a critical journey. It is going to be a journey of seeds, of plants, and of harvests. And that journey that you go through is a journey where you are being increased and empowered and strengthened because of this critical purpose of your life. There are non-critical things that are in your life. But can I tell you something? God leaves those up to you. But when it comes to the critical issues where God is leading you in a particular area, where God is calling you to release seed, where God is calling you to water a plant, when God is calling you to bring in the harvest, can I tell you something? Those are because God's critical plan for your life and for how your life fits in with the kingdom of God. Number two, everything God does requires your opt-in. 
Can I tell you something? God is a gentleman. He's never going to make you do anything. He needs you to be able to opt in. So many people feel like God does sovereign things in people's lives. Can I tell you something? God never usurps your authority to do with your life what you want to do with your life. He requires that each one of us step in. And one of the problems that we have seen that the kingdom of God ebbs and flows, advances and retreats, is simply because, uh, you know, God needs a partner. God needs human beings who are willing to go with him, to understand who he is and what his nature is, to trust him and go with him and follow him, and then be able to hold on to that process through this seed plant harvest process in our life. Can I tell you something? God does, number three, God does all the heavy lifting in his plan. You don't need to be afraid to go with God because you're feeling I'm never going to be able to, to stand up under the pressure. Can I tell you something? That's not how the process works. The grace of God empowers you to go do amazing things, but God does all the heavy lifting. Can I tell you something? If your life is heavy and burdensome, if it's hard and heavy, you need to go to God and ask him, what is it that's going wrong here? Especially when it is time for this, it is seed time. It can often feel like the seed time of your life, those seasons and those times are so heavy and so burdensome, they're so hard. But can I tell you something? The difference between easy and light, your burden being easy and light and your burden being heavy and hard is just perspective. I know that that sounds trite and I almost don't want to say it. But when it comes to understanding those times when we are sowing seeds, what I need God to do for me is give me evidence of a harvest. Give me an understanding of where this is going. And can I tell you something? When, you're, when, when you have nurtured a relationship with the Holy Spirit and you say to Holy Spirit, show me things to come. That's a promise that we have about the Holy Spirit. And when you learn to work with the Holy Spirit that way, he will show you where you are going, at least a glimpse of what your life is going to be like because of the seeds that you're presently sowing. God's plan always turns out to be exp have exponentially greater blessings than the price you have paid to achieve them. Let me say that again. God's plan always turns out to have exponentially greater harvests than the price you have paid to achieve them. When we understand that singular point, it empowers us to see what the, uh, to understand the instructions that God is giving us in our lives. And let me close with this. Can I tell you something? It is better to be all in with God's plan. It's better to really understand what the invisible God is actually like and where the invisible God is actually taking you. When you do that and really embrace it, this is where I want to go. Now, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and I was relating to following God to be something like learning how to water ski. How many of you have ever tried water skiing? 
Well, if you haven't tried water skiing, it looks pretty innocuous at, at, at first, but uh, the way you water ski is that you get hold on to a rope, you got a two little paddles on your feet, those water skis, and you're kind of sitting in the water holding on to this rope. And then all of a sudden, the boat starts to take off, and for the first couple of seconds when you are you know, being dragged along by this boat, uh, you're curled up in this crunched position with your skis out in front of you, and those skis are causing a wave of water to go f over your head. It appears to you that you are drowning. When I'm te when I was, yeah, don't do it anymore, really, but we don't do that, this particular sport, but we have in, a, in our past. I tell people the number one thing to learning how to water ski is don't let go of the rope. Because what you're going to find is as you are going along this journey and it feels like the water is overflowing you and you are going to drown and there's not going to be any redemption for you, all of a sudden, the second later, you're just standing on top of the water and everything is going along fine. Can I tell you something? If you are half committed to water skiing, you are never going to survive that three seconds when you think you're going to drown when you just, there's so much pressure on that bar that you can't hold on to the rope. But if you'll just do everything you can to hold on to that rope, to forget about the fact that it appears as though you are submarining into the bottom of the lake, all of a sudden, your commitment, your willingness to just stay holding on to the rope, all of a sudden, you're up on top of that water and you're skiing along gloriously. Can I tell you something? That's the same way that it works when you're following God. And what God needs is for each and every one of us to say, you know what, God, I know where you're taking me. I know where you're going. And I am so desperate to be part of that plan. I am so desperate to be part of that work that you are accomplishing in our lives. Because can I tell you something as we close off this month? I think we have, we have five weeks this month and somehow that escaped us, but... <laughs> The point of us spending this time together was that there is an invisible God who sent visible Jesus who then turned everything over to an invisible Holy Spirit who then wants to send visible you to a lost and hurting world. Can I tell you something? People get confused they got confused when they tried to understand an invisible God, but everything was clarified when visible Jesus showed up. But then Jesus said, I got to go because it is more profitable that I go so that the Holy Spirit comes. But then the Holy Spirit's invisible again. The whole plan of the kingdom of God is that the invisible Holy Spirit was going to mature each one of us in our understanding of what our Heavenly Father is doing yes. here on earth so that invisible Holy Spirit can send visible me mm -hmm. to a lost and hurting world. Amen. Put your hand over your heart and say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit I, so desire I so desire to learn how to follow you, to, learn how to, follow you, to, walk, your path, to walk your path to my destiny, to my destiny. in Jesus' name. In Jesus